following sermon is by Andy Lake, the senior pastor of Liberty Bible Church. This program, Grow in Liberty, is the preaching ministry of Liberty Bible Church in Vienna, Ohio. Liberty Bible Church places a priority on the Word of God over all else and has a desire to share truth with believers and non-believers alike. Our prayer is that as people tune in, they would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Join us as we grow together through the Word of God. Open your Bibles, if you would now, to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 13. This portion that we come to this evening or this morning is sort of a benediction of the book, and by all respects, it's sort of a summary of the book as well. So God's desire, as we've seen throughout this book, is that His people would be perfected or matured. And so we're going to see in this prayer here, this benediction, uh, we're going to see sort of an uh, all-encompassing portion to uh, what we've been studying in the book. Uh, Next week, of course, being Easter Sunday, we'll have our Easter service, and then the following week, uh, by God's grace, we will come to the conclusion of this study. I don't know about you, but this study has been very rich for me. It's been an enjoyable time in the book of Hebrews, one of my favorite books. Um, those of you who know me know that my favorite book is probably a, the nerdiest favorite book you can have, and that's okay. I like Leviticus. Hate me if you want. Maybe I'll preach that one next. <laughs> don't worry, I won't, I won't kill you. But let's take a look here. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 and 21. Now, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Father, bless now the reading of your word, and Father, that we would be obedient to it and embrace it. We pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This prayer kind of gives insight uh, into how we should pray for one another, uh, how we should support one another, encourage one another, and ultimately... Uh, to please God, and the <clears throat> the uh, uh, the thought that I kind of wanted to bring about uh, in this this morning was if I have a responsibility to others, do I have a responsibility to others? Now, I think sometimes we we get these things so mixed up. You hear a lot of times, you know, well, it's not about you, but then we say, well, wait a minute, it is about you taking responsibility for what God tells you to do. 
it is all about you doing that. You know, when the Bible says husbands love your wives, it's, it doesn't say love your wives if they deserve it. And when it says wives see that you reverence your husband, it doesn't say as long as he is deserving of your reverence. It just says to do this, end of story, and it really all comes down to it's not a matter of husbands will do this as long as she does that, or wives, you can uh, you can love him or you respect him when he loves you the way he ought. No, 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 it's all about you doing what God has called you to do and God has asked you to do something. Are you willing to do it? So in that frame of mind, yes, it is about you, but then in, in the other aspect of it, we we don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater because life is not just about you. It's about others. Remember, Jesus himself said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. Later on, he tells his disciples, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, the typical uh, idea was that we love our neighbor as ourself. The way Jesus put it is love your neighbor without thought for yourself, sacrificially, to put others' needs and others' uh, others, uh, well-being ahead of your own. Be willing to die to yourself so that you can live for the Lord and be a benefit to others. And so the idea here, do I have a responsibility to others? I guess the quick response would be simply yes. But what is that responsibility? And what does it look like? You know, I've often been asked, the, uh, the Bible that I preach from uh, is a, uh, um, now some people may not like this, but if you, if you look, I really like the layout of this Bible. But one of the things that you're going to notice is there's no red letters. There's, you won't find red letters in this one. It's all black. And I had someone ask me one time, well, how do you know what part is, is, is Jesus and what part is God and what part isn't? I said, well, it's real simple. Right here's where God's word begins. And over here's where it ends. I don't need the red letters because I believe it's all God's Word. Now, the, the, here's the difficult part of it, though, is if I claim to believe that it's all God's Word from cover to cover, beginning to end, guess what I have just done? I've roped myself in to accepting every part of it, even the difficult portions, even the parts that I look at and I go, ooh, that one rubs me the wrong way. You know, I think I'm just going to ignore that part. And you know what? I'm going to have a hang-up on Paul, so I'm going to ignore Paul's writings. You know, I don't really care much for those Old Testament fellas, so I'm just going to ignore that. No, 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 my friend. God spoke. We listened. And so the responsibility that we get into, I believe whatever I find in between the covers of this book now now, before someone goes home and takes their Schofield out and, sit and looks at Schofield's notes or their you know, life application and looks at their life, there's a difference between the study notes, which are just um, man's ideas, and the part that is not the study notes, okay? So, like, <laughs> my study Bible isn't, no, it's not. Your Bible's inspired by the Word of God. But the study notes, take them with a grain of salt, okay? 
But here's, here's what we find is that anything in these pages is given to us for our guidance and edification. Even the closing prayer. Now, you've heard me preach on introductions before, so a closing prayer shouldn't be too big of a surprise. So how do we apply verses 20 and 21? It's like, well, that's just his prayer. How are we supposed to apply that? That, too, is God's instruction for us, and so we're going to take a look at this uh, this morning. This portion being no exception, I have to ask myself, how can I find instruction in every part of the Bible? Well, simply this way, by asking why it was said, what the statement was based upon. It's easy to reject something when I disagree, but when there is undeniable basis for the statement, it's not so easy to reject it. And so what is revealed in this uh, benediction of this book here is um, a responsibility to more than our own selves. And I want you to note the way that the writer of Hebrews puts it here. Uh, Let me say it to you this way. The Christian life is a selfless life, and we must learn to live with others in mind and not motivated by self. So you get that from a prayer? Yes. As a matter of fact, I do. I want you to note what it states here, and let's reread this morning's passage, and I want you to note what's being said. The writer of Hebrews puts it this way. He says, now, The God of peace that brought uh, again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he's praying. And here's what he is praying for the people to whom he is writing. Make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. The prayer of the preacher is that you and I would mature. It's time for us to grow up, he says. And this is what I'm praying. I'm not praying that you have a good day. (laughs) I'm not praying, he says, that that you all get along and you have a a great meal at your next fellowship. I'm, I'm not even praying that you have comfortable chairs to sit in. And if you're thankful that the Lord has blessed us with comfortable chairs... Let's hear an amen. Amen. There you go. That's probably about the best amen I'm going to get all day. But here's, (laughs) did I hear an amen to that statement? We've got to understand that when I'm motivated by what I want or what is comfortable or blessing to me, uh, that's not the mature Christian life. And so many people are very quick to dismiss the Word of God or the preaching of the Word of God or the advice from the Word of God because that's not what is comfortable to them and their life at that moment. But we have a responsibility to one another. Let's look at a few of these things here. I'm going to give you basically four different ideas. Number one, we are expected to grow. We are expected to apply. We are expected to glorify. And then we are expected to pray the same for others. You have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility to one another and to this world 
to grow, apply, obey God's word, glorify him, and then to pray the same thing for one another. You know what I've found in my prayer life? When I'm praying for someone else, God tends to really tug on my heart about the same thing. You ever notice that? If you've not noticed that, maybe you haven't spent enough time in prayer. And I encourage you to pray for other people. You know, (laughs) rather than when someone comes walking into the church and you go, ugh, still struggling with the same sin I see. Maybe pray for them and maybe you too won't struggle with that sin. You ever think about that? So here we are. We we want to look at this idea of uh, of uh, a responsibility to one another. First, with the idea of growing. Understand this: that as a child of God, you are expected to grow to be more like Him. You personally are expected to grow more and more into the image of God. There's one very popular preacher today who who has made statements, and one of his statements, I even wrote it down here, the process of discipleship is not God changing you into something else, but God revealing who you have been all along. No, my friend, that's a lie straight from the pit of hell. The process of discipleship is changing you from what you were more into the image of God. It's a change. It's a a day by day. It's a lifetime commitment to this changing more and more, being conformed more and more into the image of God. When Christ was on the earth, I want you to understand it this way. He worked for us. But that work is now accomplished. When he was on the cross, he cried out, it is finished. So that working for us is done. Now, instead of working for, he works in us. And understand what that in us is. When when I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, I no longer have to do anything. There's nothing I can do in order to be right with God. Christ did all that for me. But from that moment on, he's going to begin a work in me. This is what the book of Philippians talks about when it says work out your own salvation. In other words, the things that God is working in you start to produce on the outside. My friend, if you're no different today than you were last year, you are not submitting to the working of the Holy Spirit in your life, or perhaps the Holy Spirit's not there to work. Oh, pastor, don't say that. Don't say that. Who are you to challenge? I'm not challenging nothing, but you ought to. If I'm going through my life and I am no different of a person, I'm no closer to the Lord. I'm no closer to being more like him. I've not given any more. I'm not talking about that. Well, there was a day where I was this and then I met Christ and now I'm this. I'm asking you, are you continuing to grow? (laughs) My friends, salvation doesn't just finish everything. That's justification. Sanctification is a lifelong process. And if I am not surrendering to him, I'm going to just maintain this one little status quo, this one little portion. But I'm telling you, there's a responsibility that you and I both have, not only to the God who so loved that he gave, but to one another that we submit to that growth and we continue to move toward him. 
We will never reach perfection. Understand this. We will never reach perfection until his return or he calls us home. But growth is expected. This is not a matter of, okay, so what you're saying, pastor, is that now that I claim the, uh, the name of Jesus Christ, I got to be perfect? No, but you got to move toward it. We're so quick. Well, I'm not perfect and I'll never be. No, but you're supposed to make an, a, an effort to move closer and closer to him. There is supposed to be this dying to self daily looking away from me and turning toward him, this daily repentance, this idea of, okay, I woke up in the morning. What do I want to do? Stop. What does he want me to do? It's a day-by-day thing. This make us perfect, it's, it's really one Greek word, katerizo. It's, a, it's an interesting word. The idea is to make something completely ready, to make something completely fit. Doctors would have understood this term as setting a bone to make it ready to heal. Uh, Teachers would have understood this word, that they would spend time studying in order to teach, to be ready to teach a lesson. Soldiers would have understood this word, meaning to don the armor and prepare for battle. And so this idea here, we we are expected to, uh, to make this effort and move toward him. There's an expectation on each and every one of us that God would prepare us to make us ready, fit for battle, so to speak. So as doctors would set a bone, God's desire is to set in order the things that are lacking in us. Now, the question always comes, well, Pastor Jesus is working on me, but how do I know what he's working on? Well, let's just take it very simply as a doctor, for example, setting a bone. If I go to the doctor and let's say... uh, I'm laying there and I've got my, let's say my arm is broken, my hand is up here, and there's a bone shooting out. And if anybody in here, my apologies, just deal with me for a minute. And so my arm is up here, you know, it's bending in the wrong spot, <laughs> and you just try to wave, you know, you just kind of got to catch it. And and there's blood spurting out everywhere, and, and so, anybody turn on white yet? Okay. And so I'm laying there on the bed, and I'm, I'm getting ready for the doctor to come see me, and I sneeze. <laughs> And he says, oh, you got a cold. Let me, let me attend to that. I'm not worried about my sneeze, doc. I got a bone protruding from my skin. And I stretch, and he says, oh, your back's sore. Let me help you with that. Hello? Broken arm here. And then he comes in a little bit later. He's given me medicine for my cold. He's, he's you know, uh, brought in a chiropractor to pop my back, and now that's doing okay. My arm's st- bone's still sticking out over here, you know. And he comes in, and he says, so what can I do for you? That's the way we are so often. 
We have a glaring issue, and we want God to teach us how to be better husbands and better wives when we've got something really sticking out, a bone just really protruding from the skin, and we're going, well, I'll attend to that one later. You want to know how the doctor likes to get things done? Here's what he's going to do. It's going to hurt, my friend, but he's going to pull that arm, and he's going to set that bone, and it ain't going to feel good, but he ain't worried about your little sniffle until he gets the big problem taken care of, and so instead of us going, well, I know, Lord, every time I hear the word of God preached, every time I hear the word of God proclaimed, every time I'm in church, every time I open the Bible, this is on my mind, this is in my heart, this is in my life, and I know I need to get it out, but I'm not dealing with that today. Let me find something else to deal with. And I start searching, I start figuring things out that I want to get accomplished. And the doctor's trying to pull that bone and set it going, it's never going to heal It doesn't matter what I do for your cold. It doesn't matter what I do for your big toe. It ain't going to fix anything. I've got to set that bone. A lot of people laying in the spiritual hospital with bones out of joint. Going, hey, doc, I got a sore throat. God's saying, here's the medicine. I need you to get this one right. Well, God, can I take care of that one later? And until you get that bone set, healing's never going to take place. And so rather than ignoring the one that God has, that one right now, right now, you're going, I know one. Stop. That's your broken bone. That's the bone God's wanting you to fix. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of other good things that I can be attentive to. Stop, quit saying no. It's time for us to allow the great physician to change us, to address the problems. Too often people wait for God to do some miraculous thing. Can I... Can I just be honest for a second? I'm not going to ask. I'm going to be honest. I'm waiting for someone to go, nope, tell me a lie. You know? <laughs> let me be, I guess that's a nice way of saying, let me be blunt for a minute. People are waiting around for some amazing light in the sky, a voice from heaven, whirlwind and dust cloud, lightning flashing, Oh, okay. (laughs) Do you want to know something that's really miraculous? Is the fact that this book can stand against any scrutiny. The fact that God takes this book and enters it into the mind and the heart of one preacher. And then that preacher puts paper and pen together. Puts together a message. And the miraculous thing is when he presents that message, no matter who's in the audience, no matter how many people are in the audience, every single one of them can hear personally from the Lord. That's miraculous. Tony Robbins ain't got nothing on the Word of God. But we ignore the miraculous. (laughs) God uses the foolishness of preaching 
to accomplish wonderful things. In understanding about this growing, the, we are also responsible. We have a responsibility to apply what we have been taught. Okay. You have a soldier. He's standing in the battlefield. He's been given a helmet. He's been given a breastplate. He's been given a sword and a shield. Several other things that accompany. We don't, we're not going to go through every single part of it. And the soldier is called to the battlefield, and he runs into his tent. He grabs his armor and his sword and his shield, and he comes running out and sets it down in the battlefield and going, all right, I'm ready. The armor's right there. I got it with me, and I'm glad they prepared me by giving to me the armor. And somebody comes on, hey, ding dong, put it on. Oh, you mean I got to wear it? That's heavy. makes a lot of noise, and I don't like noise. And every time I walk, I have to hear the clang, clang, and the weight, oh, it reminds me. You sure I got to wear it? You want to get through battle? If you don't want to wear it, that's fine, but good luck when the arrows start to fly. Yeah, you're probably right. <sighs> and they start to don the armor. Sword's sitting there. I guess I'll carry it with me and put it on. There's that shield. That shield's heavy. I'm not going to take the shield with me. The war begins, and the arrows are flying, and the guy's standing there in the battlefield. Got my helmet on, got my breastplate. I even got my sword beside me, but he never draws the sword. You see, it's one thing to be given all the material. It's one thing to be given the, what you need. It's another thing to put it into practice, to actually put action to what it is that you have been given. So the question, I guess, would be, how does God equip us and why does he equip us? Well, the why is pretty simple. He even states it in our passage this morning. Verse 21, to make you perfect in every good work. Why? To do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Why does he equip us? So that he can work in and through us. But the how, that's something else. A quick, uh, a quick study of this Greek word, uh, katharizo, uh, will take us to a few different places. Let's let's look at a few of these in in, in passing here. Uh, Galatians chapter six. Go back to Galatians, just a few books back. Look at Galatians chapter number six. How does God equip us? Look at verse one. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. My friends, you and I have a responsibility to one another to help restore one another, to help hold one another accountable. God equips us through other believers. Other believers. Look at 
1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. 1 Thessalonians, just a few books after Galatians. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 10. This is Paul talking. I can go back to verse 9 for the context. For what thanks can be rendered to God uh, again for you, for all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God, night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Same word there for perfect. To make complete. Why? How? Through prayer. Spend some time on your knees for your spiritual walk. But you know, you have a responsibility to the brethren to spend time on your knees for them as well. Don't just pray for yourself. Pray for others as well. I don't know about you, but it's pretty amazing the thought that God is going to use me and my prayer to help you. Am I the only one that gets excited about that thought? I mean, my goodness, who am I? I'm a nobody from nowhere. And God is going to use my prayer time, a little bit of time on my knees, talking, knocking on his throne room for you. God can use that. That ought to be something that excites us. Most people are like, you mean I got, I got a direct access? I can call the president at any time of the day or night, and I can get in to see him whenever I want, tell him what I'd like to see different, and tell him what I think needs to change? He's going to listen to me? Hey, president ain't nobody compared to the creator, and we can go talk to him anytime for any reason on behalf of anybody. And he listens. <laughs> That's amazing. I can write a letter to Congress. Probably ain't going to be read. But when I talk to the Lord, he hears me. That's beautiful. And if that doesn't get you excited, you ain't saved. I'm, not, I'm probably going to get letters on that one. Look at the third one, Ephesians. Go back a few books into Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. The local church is another way that God equips us. Ephesians 4. Look at verse 11. It says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. Why? For the perfecting, there's that word again, of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. God uses the local New Testament church. Anybody ever tells you you don't need to go to church? They ain't read the Bible. Oh, you don't have to go to church. You're fine. You don't need to do that. I'm sorry, my friend, but you're missing out on a glorious blessing from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ by omitting and ignoring the house of God. 
over in Hebrews chapter 12, we looked at discipline. You can look at that one a little bit more later. We preached through that not too long ago. Discipline. This is how God equips us. Same word used there. Look at 2 Timothy 3. Back over in the T's. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 16. This is all scriptures given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. God equips us through his word. I saved the best for last. God equips us with this book. When we ignore what thus saith the Lord, we are throwing our sword to the side. We're showing up to battle. And a lot of people, you know, I, you ought to see my Bible. My Bible's nice and big. It's, there's not a wrinkle in it, no marks or nothing. Well, praise God that you got a nice trophy. Have you read it? Open it. Third, we are to glorify God. Back in Hebrews chapter 13 again, this is to make you perfect in every good work, to do His will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We are expected and have a responsibility to one another to bring glory to him, to glorify God. And so, I don't understand much of this modern approach. This modern Christianity is all about the individual, what God can give you, what God can do to you, for you. It's all about you, you, you. Some statements, understand this, some statements mean completely different things in their emphases. There's a lot of preaching today that is really not preaching. A lot of good self-help discussions, but it's really not the presentation of the Word of God. Just because they say something similar does not necessarily mean that they're saying the same thing. I was talking to a guy one time, and he asked me, he says, do you love your kids? I said, absolutely, I love my kids. Oh, I love them to death. I'm so thankful for the day God gave me children. I'm so thankful for those children. He says, well, then you don't spank, do you? So that's where you're wrong. I love my kids enough to enact discipline. Oh, no, no, no. I love my kids so much that I would never, I would never. And as their kid is over on the side doing jumping jacks on top of the register at Walmart, he's, oh, I love my kids. Get down, honey. Get down, honey. Glad you love that kid. Ain't nobody else going to. Some of y'all get mad at me on that one. That's okay. 
But what is the reason for the applying? This is what we really kind of want to get down to. Is the reason that you are, well, the Bible says not to forsake the assembly of ourselves, and I'm going to make sure that I don't forsake the assembling of myself because I want to make sure other people see me. Is the reason you apply so that you can be seen of others? You know, there's some people that only attend church because of that. They just want to be seen. Let's slap a time card on the back and, you know, got my time in. Everybody saw me here. Or is it so that you can bring glory and honor to God? Why? I'll slap a, uh, a fish on the back of my uh, car so that people can see. Or do you really want to bring glory and honor to God? You want to bring glory and honor to God? Slap that fish on the back of your car and then make sure that you follow every single you know, <laughs> rule, every single regulation. Make sure that when you're driving and somebody cuts you off, you don't show them your IQ with one finger. That'll bring better glory and honor to God than slapping a bumper sticker on your car. You see, as I apply God's word to my life, here's where it is. He is glorified. Applying God's word glorifies and benefits, glorifies God and benefits others. Rejecting it benefits no one and glorifies me. This is where it really comes down to brass tacks. When I reject the word of God, it's because of what I want, what I think is better, what I think is right, and I have just become God in my mind. And no one's benefited from that. But when God's word expressly tells you what you ought to do, ought to be, ought to uh, uh, enact in your life, and you embrace it, no matter how hard it may be, no matter how difficult it is to swallow, no matter how heavy it may seem, he is glorified. And you and everyone else benefits Let's look at it from this angle. I think there's an understanding that we are expected to grow, we're expected to apply, and we're expected to glorify. Are you willing to pray that prayer for someone else? Now, are you also willing for someone else to pray that prayer for you? Or do you want to just stay as you are? That's really where it comes down. You see, we have a responsibility to each other. It's not just about you. People say things like, well, my faith and my Christian walk is private. No, my friend, it may be personal, but it's never private. Never private. It may be a personal thing, but my walk with Christ ought to be something that is visible, seen. Why would I hide that 
It's like a guy going into, uh, going out and he's going to leave his ring at home because he doesn't want anybody to know he's married. That's what we do with Jesus. People go out and they, I don't want anybody to think I'm married, so let me, let me put my finger out in the sun so that sunlight can get on there. I don't have to worry about that. I'm about as pasty as they get. So. Leave that ring on there. Uh, if you're like me, rather than take it off, you have to walk through the store going, hey, can you believe it? I can't either. I'm married. <laughs> can you believe it? He saved me. I can't believe it either, but he did. And I'm going to live my life proclaiming to this world, <laughs> he saved me. I don't mind who sees my faith. I don't mind who sees my Christianity. I don't mind it anymore because I can't believe it, but he saved me. And let me tell you about him. Perhaps your lack of growth is preventing others from seeing God. Perhaps it's preventing them from growing themselves and seeing the amazing power of Christ in you. Hmm. Now, let's look at a little bit of uh, personal application in this and we're going to be done. You can put your shoes back on. Wake your neighbor up. First, some people will hear something along these lines and they'll just try to ignore it. Okay? I'm, yeah, it's nice. Good sentiment preacher, but eh, I'm not going to pay any attention to it. Some people will hear it but they're going to maintain selfish focus on themselves. They're just going to keep worrying about them. Well, here's the person that's doing that. I know that's true, but I'm not going to do it. I know the preacher's right, and he's talking right to me, but I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to apply it. Some will hear it, though, and they're going to apply it. They're going to apply what God has told them. You know what, Lord, you showed me something this morning. I'm going to go home, and I'm going to put it into action. But I want you to understand something. No exceptions. Every single one of you, myself included, is responsible now. We're all responsible. 
you're responsible and I'm responsible for what the Word of God has presented to us. And as we have gone through this book and we have studied and we have looked at the way Christ's sacrifice covers it all, he is better than anything. He's better than that uh, that uh, social club you're part of. He's better than any uh, social network. He's better than any friends, better than any other family members. He is better. We need to apply it. We're all responsible with that truth. So what are you doing with it? How are you doing with your responsibility to him and to the body? I want you to understand, I depend on your growth. You depend on my growth. This is a group effort. You have your own personal that you're going to work on. But you've got to put others in the mix and quit thinking only of ourselves. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, that there are people that have been able to witness the change in my life that they've seen something glorious about you, the thought that a wonderful God can change even me, can point and glorify you. Father, I'm thankful that you love us enough to use us. And so, Father, for the times that I have not been surrendered to you and I've not been willing to let your spirit change me and make me more, make me better, make me more like you, Forgive me for that, Lord. Expose to every single one of us exactly what we need in order to be more like Him. Your dear Son draws close to you as a result of everything, Lord. As we commit to growing, to applying, and to glorifying, but Father, that we would also commit to lifting up one another in this same prayer request. We're very careful to praise you for that, Lord. For it's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Andy Lake, Bible teacher with Grow in Liberty and pastor of Liberty Bible Church. We pray that you were challenged today and encourage you to share this message with your friends and family. If you were motivated in some way to grow in your walk with Christ, please drop us a line and reference the title of today's message. You can access us online at growinliberty.org. Email us at together at growinliberty.org or send us a letter to Liberty Bible Church 2111 Sodom Hutchings Road, Vienna, Ohio, 44473. If you would like to support Grow in Liberty financially, you may also do that at growinliberty.org. Thank you so much for joining us today.